Kane is there, and so is Wanyama! A home debut goal. That's a good one. Okay. He's on the box. We have a Goal! Musa Bologna has made it 2-0 to the Scorpions. It's an empty stadium, but the roofs of the Independence Stadium are coming down. I can feel. I use ball again. It's really, really, it's absolutely brilliant. And Kunis takes advantage. St. George. Now Heidemann. Cuts it in. Adriana Leon. What a hit! What a great goal! Canada take the lead. And it's Adriana Leon with a rocket into the top corner. Larin gathering it in. Does Canada look to find some early momentum? Well, Davies arriving! So a Kenyan, a Gambian, and a Canadian Ghanaian walk into a... No, this isn't a joke, guys. This is literally the intro. Um, <laughs> yo, so back and joyous, man. We talk a lot of football. We got our takes. Uh, we support different clubs everywhere. And honestly, it's all about African and Canadian football overall. So enjoy the conversation. We'll bring on guests. We'll have different conversations. But it's really just about where the sport is and where it could go. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode. It'll be very interesting to kind of cover both. But yeah, let's let's start off with Canada here and kind of go with lessons. So Canada wins 2-0. Jonathan David in the 25th minute. Alfonso Davies in like the 70th minute. I wouldn't say a professional win, but definitely... It wasn't comfortable, but it wasn't stressful either, right? Uh, there's, I mean, there's so many thoughts I have of that game, but let's start with you. From what you've seen, what you remember, how do you feel about the performance? No, it certainly helped. So I think the – let's start from the beginning. I think a lot of people were surprised when they saw that Davies wasn't starting, which meant you had – at a Kudbe, you had um, Larea starting alongside with Tejon, Laren, as well as uh, David. So looking at it, it almost felt as if this could be either be a four-four-two. But yeah, like I think the interesting thing was no Davies starting, and then we were speculating. I remember I was going back with Alex. I'm wondering, like, is this a 4-4-2, or are they still going to go a 3-4-3? Evidently, it turned into a a 3-4-3, which was interesting because I think, I didn't think this would be when we would see if we could run a two-man midfield, but I guess Herdman tried it here, and it worked to varying degrees. I, I think... Kone didn't have his best game, but he st- certainly didn't have his worst game. He it was it was a solid game, but you, 
I think overall there's a lot to uh, get from this. In terms of just performances, lineups, are you fine with it? Any performances that stood out for you? I think Miller had a good game, but I think it comes down to the idea of, I think when it comes to, at this point in the season, you are dealing with a reality where players who are playing, you definitely see that they've been playing, right? Miller looked good um, on the ball, and he's like one of the few center backs who was actually still playing. So him being active in and on the ball, moving up and down was good to see. And then players like Osorio when they came in, Larea looked good. Larea's been in great form for TFC, so I think when it came to him, it was good to see that. But the players who were playing still, MLS players, looked like they've been playing still. And then I think that certainly helped. So Miller stood out. Larea stood out. David and Davies were good. I, I was a little bit concerned, especially when Adekubi went down earlier in the game. He had a moment where he went down and it looked like, well, we don't have any more fullbacks that we can play. So what are we going to do? And I think Herman did a good job of rotation with the squad overall. I do think there is a concern in terms of how rusty we looked. For a 2-0 win, I think we left certainly at least three goals on the pitch. And we were lucky defending with two not hitting us. I mean, there was the free kick opportunity from Panama where Boyan makes the save. But then Waterman for for Panama just misses the rebound and he's able to do that. If he doesn't miss the rebound, it's a different game altogether. But I think... In terms of our passing, we are a little bit one touch too heavy or one touch too many. I know you watch from 65 minutes on. What do you feel about it going forward, uh, Mike? But yeah, so in terms of the, the game, like, how do you feel like their passing went? Uh, it seemed like I, I heard that the passing was a little bit off because like I, I didn't watch the full game, but uh, I did see there were moments where they were a bit careless with the ball. I think that that certainly got improved for the next the next game. No, and I think someone saw said this on Twitter, and there's a degree where I think I agree. You need them to be a little bit more selfish, right? Because if they are a little bit more selfish, they're not trying to pass to create another opportunity. Now, like, again, Osorio misses a bad one. Ustakio misses one as well. But I think there are moments where this team wants to make the extra pass. And, and those are the moments where it's like, just put the ball on frame. You put it on frame, we'll do something. Right? But if not... They're they're a little bit off, and I think they're able to get the result here. But ultimately, I think playing against the U.S., you can't be that sloppy. If if they are sloppy like they were versus the U.S., they're getting eaten alive. Now they do have an opportunity moving forward, but I think for them, the key thing is the passing has to improve. Based off of what you saw for this game. What, how are you setting up your team against the U.S.? Uh, that, 
Very good question there. But based on what I've been seeing on some tweets, you know, everybody's calling back for the 352. Everybody's calling that that seems to be our best formation. And the one we we use in the game previous to yesterday, the one the Honduras game, the the final of the group of the Nation League, like seems like everybody wants to retreat back to that, which I think, um, admittedly, I think it's the most suitable, I guess, formation, particularly when playing against a team with the U.S., you know, because as we know, you know, we have some do, do good quality, some so very solid midfielders and the qualities in the attack, but in the back line, I think uh, yeah, that's where there's a little holes there, some question marks. So I think going with the three-man back line, protecting a little bit, you know, that back line, providing that support to the, win backs the defenders as they go forward might be what could keep us keep the game a little safer for us and kind of maintain our defensive composure i think uh i think people are right with what i've seen in tweets yes no that's true no that's true and and i think when it comes to that the question now has to be again already moving off of the game i think again just uh We'll talk about the Panda game again, but just to talk to the U.S. side. I think if you're Canada, you also have to take into account how are you approaching this game? I think the thing that they got right and that Burhalter got wrong versus Canada was how he approached the game. All right, Burhalter thought Canada would try to play um, out, play open. Canada just sat back, and both times the strategy was just a bit surprising for them. I wonder what Callahan thinks and how he wants to approach it. He doesn't have Dest or McKinney because that L3 USA game was just chaos. Uh, both sent off with reds. Um, but that's the question you have to ask. You're probably going to have a player like Joe Scali starting and then probably a Luca Della Torre for the U.S. Who's already missing Tyler Adams and now no Weston McKinney. So it's going to be Della Torre, Musa, and probably Reyna. And so the question becomes can you take advantage of that? Um, do you need a three man midfield to take advantage of that? I think that's probably the preferable thing. And then you start off with both um, Davies and Buchanan. I don't think Buchanan had his best game. But I think it's just a matter of just movement. I think Buchanan works best when he has Davies on the other side because you have the threat of pace coming everywhere. Um, you can't just you know D Davies will take on and will win his fair share of one on ones. But I think what makes this Canada team truly interesting is when you can play literally and have Davies on one side, Buchanan on the other. And then kind of move forward that way. It's I know it's a thing of riches. It sucks that both our nines are in form, but I always go back to that Mexico game in World Cup qualifiers where they had Adekudbi and Larea on the sides, and then as your fullbacks, and then you had Davies and uh, Buchanan as your wingers, and then Osorio as your ten, and then David as your nine. I think that would be ideal, but again, you're not going to sacrifice Laren there. But I think a three-man midfielder is the, the key. Um, the question is, who's the third pivot do you start? Do you start Hoylet or do you start Osorio there? So, so who would you start? So who would you start? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm talking like on a three-man midfield with pivots, no, no number 10s, correct? It's a three-man midfield. It's a three-man midfield. So you run it how okay. you want. So you run it how you want. Oh, okay, yeah. Okay. If 
if if we're using a number 10, I guess the most suitable guy for that role, albeit not exactly a pure 10, you know, more uh, an 8, a 6, I think. More, I'll say more an 8, and uh, box-to-box midfield will have to be Osorio. But, and, uh, but, I mean, I think he can play up as a pivot as well, so uh, I guess he's the most suitable guy for, for that. So Osorio over Hoylet. Yes. Uh, do you? Uh, 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 yes. I mean, it's a little tricky to say which one, you know. But uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Maybe. 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 You know. Um, it could go yeah. either way. I, I mean, I think there, there's 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 definitely perks and there's advantages for either or. I think. Osorio is definitely coming back in and looking interesting. But I think Hoylet looked fine on the pitch as well. The question comes, do you want him that far up? And it also comes down to the... We're making the assumption that Tejon and Alfonso are going to start as your wingbacks. Lorea has done enough to start over probably Tejon right now, which isn't terrible. I mean, maybe Lorea just holds off for there. You don't have a Serginho Dest in that game. So you're just dealing with Anthony Robinson coming up. So I think that's not as much of a threat. You can get away with Lorea as a wingback. And go Lorea and Davies. And then ultimately, if you need more spark, you can always turn to uh, Tejon in the second half, whether that's for 45 or like the last 30. Okay. That's interesting. But again, we've talked about that fact that we're playing the U.S. Did you, how much of that game did you watch? Oh, you mean the, you mean the game against the America, the, the USA and Mexico, Mexico game. Yeah. Uh, I did watch a little bit. I watch, I watch probably a little, uh, let let me see. I watch. I definitely watched like uh, part of the second half, mm-hmm. like uh, up to the seventy minute, and then I saw the last little bit of regulation, which the game was stopped, obviously, yeah. you know, because of some yeah. uh, chance. So yeah. I watched maybe like a few minutes of the added time. Mm-hmm. I did see the two second half goals, mm-hmm. you know, which yeah, some good some good play displayed by them, mm-hmm. and yeah, I was impressed with the. The goals, for sure. I'm not going to lie on that. So true, true. That's why. True, true. But, yeah. How do we... I, I, I saw the, yeah, yeah. yeah, the first brawl. Yeah, the first brawl, I mean, we always make fun that every time Canada plays Panama, there's an almost scuffle. This was a full brawl. Like, good... Like, if you're the U.S. and if you're Mexico, how do you feel after this game? I'm the U.S. If I'm Mexico after this game, mm, I mean, well, well, uh, if you're Mexico, you feel like uh, I guess def- deflated, like <laughs> like uh, like like uh, you were you were surpassed by a better uh, by a side that played quite better than you on this game, and if you are the yeah, the U.S. I think you would feel. I, I think you you gotta feel good about the result that you did. You know, you won quite comfortably. You dominated for 
for a fair bit. But I guess I guess now you might be a little worried of the two absences in a big game that's coming up as well. You might be a bit worried about that. That's fair. That's fair. So here's a question for you. If you are Canada, I'm going to ask it like this. Canada wins this game because of you give me the reasons and then Canada loses this game because you give me the reasons. Um, I'll go first here just to kind of get you going. Um, I think Canada wins this game if Kone has a big game. I think, again, Kone didn't have his best game, but it wasn't his worst game. But Canada has the opportunity to dominate this midfield. And Herdman has to decide if he wants to sit back and invite pressure or if he wants to attack two players who maybe defensively haven't been tested yet, right? The test of Musa, the test of what we presume is going to be a De La Torre, the test a... Uh, Gio Reyna in the midfield. You could argue with no Adams, with no McKinney. Canada should have. You could argue it. I, I respect people who say they shouldn't. But you can argue that Canada should have the advantage. With Kone and Ustakio and either Hoylet or Osorio. The midfield has to play. So Canada wins this game if... They dominate the midfield. And I'm looking at Kone specifically. If Kone steps up with the lights get brightest, I think Kone is a player who can do a lot. Now, how Canada loses this game. Um, there's a player I haven't seen them play in a while. He didn't play in Hamilton because he couldn't cross the border. And he wasn't on the team when we drew in Nashville. Timothy Weah, um, son of Africa and fun things. He is a player, I think, on the wings who can do a lot of damage along with Pulisic because he does what Weah does for Pulisic is what Buchanan does for Davies. He lets him play off the ball, and now you can let him run, put pressure on the defense and the fullback specifically, in this case, it will be the center backs and create some real defensive mismatches and nightmares. I think if Wea has a big game, they could eat because Victoria doesn't have the foot speed and it's either going against Kamal Miller or Alistair Johnston. And I think that's, that's a tough, that could be a tough matchup if you just have that one way traffic going. So I think Canada wins if Kone has a big game in the midfield and Canada loses if Timothy Weah has a good game. Uh, I'm going to let you unmute your mic and you let me know what your answers to those questions are. If Canada wins, what needs to happen? And if Canada loses, what do you think happens? Okay. And and they will lose the game if, uh, if they lose the midfield battle, I'm going to break into two parts. And if they can't maintain their defensive composure, if that defensive line is just, uh, I, I, how may I tell you, uh, is it just can't keep up. Like you mentioned, you mentioned if Timothy Weah has a good game and, and, uh, and is able to provide those, those goal scoring chances to like a guy like Pulisic on the other side and whatnot. That, that that will cause a lot. That can cause trouble. You mentioned Victoria's speed and all that. I think that that could be a big problem in losing. And 
uh, I made a, a little observation from looking back at the, uh, at the high of the Panama game and something that could also contribute to Canada losing the game is dead balls. If they don't, don't, if they don't defend dead balls well, because I hate to say, but I don't know if you would agree, but I think they look a little vulnerable in the dead balls. Dead balls, I'd agree with that. Um, I think set pieces, how Panama approached it was very good. But it's the it's the spaces, right? I think with the U.S. with in the midfield, you mentioned midfield with Dela Torre and Musa, I think they can eat up some of those half spaces very well. And Balogun, I think, didn't have a bad game, but like he held up, and he was just getting chipped and fouled when he was making his run, so he did his job. But in those half spaces. That's where those players, I think, thrive. So I think that's where you have to have the the hard conversation in terms of how do you think they want to defend this? I missed your um, how Canada wins this. Do you want to run that back? Sure. Run that back? Oh, yeah. I think Canada will win if their big superstars, stars, have a good game, have a strong game, where uh, and get, get the job done just like they did against Panama. It could be scoring the, a goal when they need it. Could be providing those assists. It could be, uh, in the case of Alfonso Davis, could be providing those menacing, you know, those 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 uh, threatening runs on the left flank, beating guys on the one v one, creating goals, scoring opportunities, you know, out, out in the out in the penalty box, you know. And if he can find, uh, if if he can find an open Jonathan David, especially in the box, or heck, could be even a Kyle Aaron or anybody in a good scoring position. I think they and they are clinical, of course, because you know uh, they will they they will win. Yeah, they gotta be clinical because if if they provide scoring chance, if they're not clinical, you know, makes no difference. No, that's true. That is true. So, Canada has a chance to win a trophy. Which is big for the sport here. How important do you think it is for the men's program for them to come away with a trophy here? Well, it's huge. It's it's, it's good. You know, kind of would solidify kind of kind of their status as one of the uh, uprising Concacaf uh, national teams. You know, like uh, 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 and show kind of well, it kind kind of showed that the World Cup qualification, which was a good campaign, as we already know, was not just a one-time thing or a fluke. You know, well, you know, so kind of solidified their status as one of the, you know, forces in, in, in CONCACAF. You can argue whether they still will be the best side or not, you know, that's open to debate, you know, regardless of what happens, even if they do win it, you know. But for sure, I, I would say re- regardless of what happens, I feel like they would, uh, they were they are already, you know, among the top two, no more than top three right now in, Conca- in the CONCACAF region, you know, like uh, regardless if they win or not, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think a trophy for Canada here, and I've been saying this since World Cup qualifiers, I think Canada is just sat down in the top three teams in CONCACAF chair. They're not solidly there. They just sat down. And I think now they have to prove that they belong there. I think a trophy goes a long way. Do I think that a trophy means that they're top two in the region, if not the best team in the region? No. I mean, Mexico's looked bad, but this is the worst Mexico's looked in a very long time. 
And I don't think Mexico is going to be this bad for a very long time. So I think it's up to Canada to maintain and solidify themselves as a top three team in this region. It's arguable that they are, but now they have to consistently show that they deserve to be talked about there. It's no longer just Canada. I mean, it's no longer just Mexico and the U.S. It's Mexico, the U.S., and Canada. And I think a trophy goes a long way in showing that, hey, no, we're here. We we can claim this top three spot. And we could even have conversations being one or two. But I, I think for Canada, that's what a trophy means here. It's it's not about saying we're the best thing. No. I don't think... I think for a stretch, yes, you can say that Canada were maybe up the top team in the region, sure. But I think what they need to do is to show consistently that they are the team that you have to go through to claim anything. And I think right now, if Canada is starting to, if they're able to put some trophies to get together, I think now they almost become like the doorman, right? You have the, the new guys. They, they're coming in. You want to prove that you're good? Okay, do something against Canada, and then you can move on to the States, right? I don't know what we're going to do with Mexico right now. I still Mexico think Mexico right is a, still a, think solid team, a solid team, but, yeah. I think, but I think Canada is Canada getting, a trophy here. getting a trophy here. You don't even have to question it. They're top three. For sure. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, so even if they win it, you won't say that necessarily they'll be the top team in in CONCACAF. Uh, you won't necessarily mean they're the best team, right? It just kind of puts, you will more agree that they're among the top three, correct? That's how you feel about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, no, I feel the I, same. I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I like, yeah. again, rankings and things aside, I think Canada has to prove that they can now get results against these top two teams. And that to me proves you belong in that conversation. I, I'm I'm a slow person. I'm not going to give you a crown just because you get one result. Right? Canada topped the qualifiers. Okay, so now we're like, okay. Maybe let's see what they do with this. So now it's, you just got this chair. It was empty for a bit. Panama had it for a hot minute. Costa Rica's usually sat in it. Honduras, they know what it feels like. Now, can you prove that this is your chair? And better yet, it's so comfortable, I can still get to the kitchen from here. I can still get to the phone from here, and I, and I deserve to be here. That's what a trophy here means. They need to prove they, de- they deserve the seat, and I think if this a trophy here goes a long way to prove that. I, I I agree whole, wholeheartedly with that. Another thing that that would probably many will agree that will not make me put the canonity about the top team is because the depth needs to improve beyond the starting eleven. Even in the starting eleven, there are areas that need improved quality, and we saw that in the men's World Cup. We, we can't hide that. You know, there are areas that need to be more improved along. You know, like more balance across from the back to the front. You know, like us, we've seen other teams before. We can really claim, yeah, they are. You know, a bona fide team or they're the best. You know, that still needs to improve, in my opinion. So, just winning it all won't necessarily be for me that they are the best team, but among the best team for sure. Like you say, in that chair of the top three. No, that's that's fair, and I think that the question yeah. is, you have to also judge. Canada, like it's tough, right? 
Cause, oh, so, for sure. Because I have I have two mentalities with this. The first is that World Cup roster was the, and, and I don't want to say it as if this was like the the thank you tour, but like it wasn't necessarily the best roster of players in form. I looked at that that World Cup roster as more of a these are the guys who got us here. Thank you for your time and dedication to the program. You guys get to go. That's how I looked at it. But I think as we enter this next cycle, like you said, the depth now matters. Now the conversation mm-hmm. is firmly on how are you supplanting and supplementing this team? I always bring up Ghana because, again, I'm Ghanaian background, but 06 mm-hmm. to 010, right? If you look at the transition, 06, they had a very similar to Ghana team. You had some old legends like Sami Kufour. You had um, mm-hmm. players who were starting to reach their prime, a player like Michael Essien, a guy, a player who emerged as someone Jean, you had a solid midfield. By 2010, you had the core of this team, of the young core of that team. And then they just took the U20 team, which were an impressive group. And then they had one of the best runs for the team. These next four years are all about finding depth. And it's not all going to come from the youth program. It could, but maybe that's where you find other players, right? Does this come down to like finding players like a Jemison or like finding players in Europe that you forgot were there and then maybe they reemerge. It's important for them to build their depth. And I know we'll look at the gold cup for that for some potential players, but I think you really need to see the depth of Canada, like you said, improve. And I think there is depth. I don't think our program is so bereft of depth that we don't, that we can't play players. My only outward concern is, does the three five two give enough opportunities for players coming in? Because I'd argue, and this is a further conversation down the road, I'd argue we have more talent coming in on the wings and fullback than we have in any position, really. But because in a three five two, when you're playing, your wing backs are essentially. I mean, look. In a 3-5-2, if we play a 3-5-2, where are you making this team? Right? Your first two are Tejon and Alfonso, and then your next two are Sam and Richie. Where's the, where's the chance to make that team? There isn't space. Because now you're, if you're a winger, you're saying, okay, maybe I have to go as a striker. Okay, so you have to be in better form than Jonathan David or Kyle Lahren. Where's the space? And and that's like the one thing I'll say. Now, granted, again, put 11 players on the pitch and they'll figure it out. But I think just from a, if you want to go putting square pegs in square holes, if you played, say, like a 4-4-2 yeah. or like a 4-2-3-1, for example, that's where I think it opens up. Because now it's like, okay, you need your fullbacks, cool, but then you also need your wingers. And that's where you see like a player like Liam Miller, uh, Theo Corbiano making the team. That's where maybe you see an opening for a Luca Coliosho coming in. That's maybe where you see a Mo Farsi come in or like a Kobe Franklin coming in, right? I, I, I do think also on a side note, that's why a Mo Farsi didn't come here. Also for the Gold Cup, it would cap tie him completely and he have no other options. So I don't blame him for not taking the Gold Cup call if he rejected the call. He wasn't on the prelim roster. But, like, I think that's a fair question to have. We need depth, but does our formation allow for more depth to come in? Because that's something I've always thought. 
a three at the back is Good ideal. Point. But if you can, I think this is where I think if we can create a way where Eustachio and Kone can play without having a third midfielder, that opens up. Now you can play either play the roulette game and say, yeah, just put both of our strikers on the pitch and see what they do. Or if by some chance Laren isn't in form or David isn't in form, but you have an inform Miller, like an inform Liam Miller or an inform uh, Koleosho or an inform Corbianu, that opens the door for at least them being able to find a spot where they can thrive in a similar club position versus saying, okay, Miller and Corbianu are in great form, but where do we put them? Right? So I think depth is yep. a question, but it's going to come down to Herman to find the flexibility for the, that roster and the pool to kind of move forward. Right? Yeah, 100%. And another thing that I think in order to kind of get to that next level, as John Herman already said, you probably heard in his, a lot of his press conference, more players playing in top-tier leagues. We need, especially from the back line and goalkeeping and more midfielders, you know? Like, that. we need more of that, you know? Which we'll see if it's going to happen over time. So yeah, that's you, another thing. you have to send more players yeah. out, but then there's, there's so much to that. It's more players. It's seeing more players in camps. It's having more camps. It's developing more players to go through. I mean, my one criticism of, well, I feel like I'm talking on like eight different categories of podcasts that I'll have in the next few weeks. But my one criticism of both CPL and this upcoming Project A for the Women, we need, it's, we need professional development, there's no doubt. But we also need development. And development comes in academies. And we need more academies there Yes. as well as professional opportunities because professional opportunities aren't just the pros it's training like a pro it's the academies right there's a reason unfortunately that 90 percent of our youth teams it seems on the men's side come from mls academies and what 90 yeah. percent of our women's youth teams all come from development centers you need more professional development and that's not just pros that's academies as well on top of actual and on top of actual leagues, right? And camps. Yes. We need camps. Every no one and, and that's like that's a thing. Like we'll have conversations and like you'll hear, especially when the uh the the national teams versus the federation was at its height in the summer and in the fall and let's be real, it's still going on. But everyone was always complaining about well if you take all this money and give it to the teams, then there goes youth development. I'm like, no, no, no. It's This is a conversation of prioritizing it. If it's important, you'll make it happen. You can't just say, oh, we don't have the funds to do it. Yeah, you can say that, but you could still do something. So prioritize it, and that's not just funding. And if it's a funding thing, Find funds like the thing that I've loved and I will always continue to go back to. It's not like there aren't models out there, right? I will continue to say this look at Australia, look at how Australia has done it. And I continue to go back. Australia has a f major sponsor for the men's team and a major sponsor for the women's team, and they, they, they sponsor everything from national team down to U15s. Subways for the men's, 
Commonwealth Bank is for the women's. And they sponsor everything from there, from naming rights and there, right? We just saw it recently with the women um, throwing it up. Who is the team? Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? I, they literally just announced this like a few weeks ago. Yeah. But they had a, a yeah. specific, they have a specific sponsorship for the women. It's there. Mm. It's not impossible. Yeah. So there are options there, and if if CSB and things like that allow you to do it, then work within the confines of it. This is the sandbox that we have, unfortunately. No one is going to. No one is going to. Yeah, no one is going to complain and give you excuses. If the CSB allows it and gives you those opportunities, then work with it and just give them. Give the people who want to support it that way. That way, there's no excuses. I'd rather give people the chance to fail versus preventing them to succeed. That's what I say. Give people a chance to fail versus giving them a versus present. There, we're gonna do this again. Give these people and these programs a chance to fail instead of preventing them to succeed. And I think mm-hmm. that's where it comes. That comes with camps. That comes with funding. I think there's funding and things out there. And we go and we go from there. As we before we wrap this up, give me your predictions for the final. For oh, the final. Oh, yeah, you, you can give fun. me. You can give me the third place game too, just so you get warmed up. So Panama versus Mexico. Who's winning that game? So for the third place game, if you want me to, uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Okay. How about if I say that Panama takes a third place team, a tight 1-0 victory, something like that? I could see it. I, I think Panama has the th- second best coach in the region, as it stands. Mm. Okay. All right. And I'm going to go with Mexico. They play with pride because they don't want... Because if they go to Nations League without a trophy or without something, oh, the streets will burn. And we don't need that right now. So I'll go with Mexico for for peace. Okay. <laughs> and now okay. the final. USA, Canada. Oh, the battle of the national team only Twitter accounts. <laughs> CanMNT only yeah. versus USMNT only. The hottest takes. Alejandro, it is the... It's the matchup that the trolls have wanted for months, and now it's here. For sure. Who are you picking? Oh, God, yeah. Okay, this is going to be tough, but I'm going to go with a, with a, with a pre- prediction. Uh, I, may, I may break it down into two parts, okay? Uh, okay. Uh, I, 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 okay, this game goes the distance, uh, meaning extra time or, or penalties. I hate to say, but... Like mm-hmm. the Americans take it if it goes if it goes the distance. Uh, I I don't feel comfortable in our players in a penalty shootout, especially so, or you know so. And if it's ended in regulation, uh, let's see. Uh, 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 okay. Uh, if it's in regulation, we, we may have a bit. Uh, we may have a better chance, but. Uh, Let's see. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, I'm gonna break it down. If it's not our day, the, the Americans will will win by like two goals or something. If we if we play like in the qualifier, especially like the game in Hamilton, or even the game in Nashville, Canada wins it two one. Okay, so I'll do what I did for the uh, Panama game, and I'll give you three scores. I think the okay. best case scenario is a Canada win for me, and that's like a a three one win. Um, our nines are okay. more clinical than their front line. Um, we're able to sit back defensively and really show that we can sit back and burn them on the counter. Fonzie goes off. Um, how do you do? Twitter reigns with the tears of Americans. That's the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. The worst case scenario is that um, Wea eats. Wea eats. Pulisic eats. Balogun says, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Flo. Um, and Geo playing as a 10 says, by the way, like I, I play good ball. Like forget what my parents did. I play good ball, mm-hmm. and Canada's defense is just run over, and they lose four one. Oh God! Okay, that's the worst case scenario. So again, best case scenario, yep. we win three one. Worst case scenario, we lose four one. Wow! Realistically, Almost. I think this game. <laughs> I really wonder what Herman does. Does he go and try to... Does he sit back and maintain the defensive shape? Or does he think as a team they can play with them? I think mm-hmm. realistically, this game is 2-1. Okay. Davies is creating a goal out of nothing. That's what he does in this matchup. That's what he did in Nashville, and he's going to do that here more than likely. Yes, I know you're going to see a lot of Americans say Joe Scally has Davies in his back pocket. Don't worry. Um, Davies does – Scally doesn't necessarily have the same cover that he has at Gladback that he'll have here. No. But Scally's – I think – I mean, let's be real. I think Scally's the better fullback option if you're going to have Robinson on the other side. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, so he's going to create a goal on his own. And I think Reyna in in the the middle, I think you're going to see a combination of De La Torre to Reyna, Reyna to Flo, and then Flo gets his first, I hate that I'm saying this, against Canada. So it's 1-1. Yeah. Who gets the second goal? We're going for it. I think Canada takes a 2-1. I think okay. having two nines that are in form. Yes, Laren okay. didn't have a goal, but Laren played well. Yeah. I think Laren and David being in form, they get it done. And Canada takes okay. a 2-1. Hopefully, you're right. I hope you're bloody right. So, so to recap Again. to everyone... Worst case, best, I mean, best case scenario, Canada wins 3-1. Worst case scenario, Canada loses 4-1. Realistically, I think Canada wins 2-1.
Yeah. If kind of what I say in our best case yep. scenario too. So we're kind of on point there. Yeah. We are kind of on point there as well. So yeah, let's let's wrap it here, guys. Uh, mm-hmm. All the content is coming for the pod and on YouTube. Guys, Women's World Cup is coming, so we are working on figuring out how we're going to do that preview. We got Gold Cup coming up, but we'll be talking about and so much more. You'll see me around everywhere, guys. But we could win a trophy here. Let's let's enjoy this. Making finals. What a time to be alive. Just cut my veins, let the maple flow. There's some jollof seasoning in there as well. Don't worry. All right, guys. Let's run it back Next time, guys, this has been a question from the Africans. Alejandro is a guest. Always good to have him. And bye-bye for now.